the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Monday. Happy Martin Luther King Day Monday. Happy Super Wildcard Weekend Monday. Haven't heard that enough, right? That's the plan today. Dan Soman joins me. We're going to break down the winners and losers. Um, just our thoughts on, on some of those teams that advanced and where they continue to stand. And then uh, a real deep dive into the Vikings, the, the Ravens, to a certain degree, the Seahawks, certainly the Chargers and their, and their unrest going forward. And then Miami, who has maybe the most complicated offseason coming up here over the next few weeks. So it's a deep dive into the losers who now hit the offseason with tons of question marks, some of the coaching, many at the quarterback, and uh, most of these teams have cap issues as well. So I've uh, supplemented this conversation with an article on spytrack.com. Please go check that out. Any feedback, any suggestions, at SpotTrack on Twitter. Dan Soman joins me next to talk NFL offseason. All right, Dan, we're going to steer positive to open the show today um, because this is the off-season episode where I take all the teams that lost and break down <laughs> what it might look like for the next couple of weeks for them. I've done it in article form. I'm going to post that as soon as we post this, this podcast. So I've got, I don't know, a couple hundred words on the Vikings, the Ravens, the Seahawks, who am I forgetting, the Chargers. Um, but let's start with the positives. Let's start with the winners. Which team do you feel most comfortable with right now? You're a betting man. It's kind of your second job. If you've got to put all your chips in right now, is it easier said than done because of the quarterback scenarios out there? Yeah, it's definitely, definitely difficult. Um, I would, I mean, from an odds perspective, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, if you're just asking me who I think has like the safest path now going forward, I, I think the Eagles, to be honest with you, honestly, the Eagles, maybe the Niners, but, um, can we talk I'm about this has... Eagles matchup real quick? Uh, yeah, go ahead. It was brought to my attention and it's something obviously I knew, but just never really thought of in this perspective. Why is there a Monday night game tonight? I mean, talk about a disadvantage. Money money of course that's the answer and that's why i brought it up it's relevant but what a disadvantage for the buccaneers of the cowboys not only do we get a get a team that's completely on a buy they're the short stick they have to have the short week now too uh, I, I understand exactly what's happening here i just think that that's got to be reconsidered right not just because of the player safety stuff but let's be a little bit honest about what's happening here anyway i agree the eagles for that reason and plenty more have the path um, are you going to go chalk here and say Chiefs for the same same reasoning? On the on the AFC side, um, yeah. I mean it's it, it certainly looks like they have a pretty decent path, but I mean the whole AFC you can really make a case for. I yeah. mean, I'm not a Jacksonville believer, quite honestly, but any of the other three teams, it would not shock me um, for them to to win you know, and go on to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. I think all three teams are capable, even though the Bills um, and the Bengals didn't look great um, yesterday. But I, yeah, the, the Chiefs look like a complete team. Sorry, not a totally complete team either, but they have, they, they're pretty, they're deep, obviously. Um, yeah, on the AFC side, I think they're my favorite at this point, but um, not particularly strong. No, I, I understand that completely. Um I think it's money well spent if you want to throw money on any of those AFC top three seats, you know, and if you want to get funky with Jacksonville, you can do it. I'm not there. I'm with you. I think they're a year away. This was the year where they, where they certainly progressed and now they establish where their real holes are and they plug those this off season and then maybe make a, another run. But, um, I've got no issues with the AFC teams at all. The quarterback play was sloppy down the stretch yesterday. That's just going to happen this time of year. The teams that can uh, be balanced, I think, are going to push through. And by the way, that is the Eagles and the Chiefs. Uh, I think the Chiefs are pretty complete. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Chris Jones is still Chris Jones. They found a different running back every week, which is very atypical of, of the great teams. And, and the Eagles have that as well. It's going to be a Miles Sander week one, year, one week, a Boston Scott week, a Gainwell week, and a Jalen Hurts week. And they can kind of throw all these things at you, and not to mention – a plethora of pass options. So 
there's no reason to believe the number one seeds aren't the best teams right now. There's just not. And uh, the story for the Bills is probably a better one to follow if you're a narrative person. And uh, it looked like yesterday might might have been a tale of two stories for both the Bengals and the Bills. But they've they've gone through a lot in the past two weeks. So I think you're, you're going to have those stumbling blocks. And a lot of people think those stumbling blocks are actually good for you this time of year, that you're not complacent or not, you know, going out there thinking you're just going to rule the world because you had a good regular season. There's some uh, there's some science to that. So I'm with you. I don't have a a standardized answer either way. I know what I've already put money on. <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll I'll save that for next week when we know what the actual uh, final eight are heading towards the, the divisional round. And then we'll go from there. But uh, let's talk about these losers. And I hate to frame it that way, but that's exactly what we have it with. I want to start with the Vikings. The They're kind of the easy ones to poke fun at right now because everybody came into this weekend saying they were frauds. They weren't, they didn't, didn't, you know, deserve the two seed, yada, yada. And that's kind of exactly what they looked like. I assume that's where your head is. Or do you have anything more sophisticated to say about Minnesota? No, not really. I mean, yeah, they were, they were basically this year's version of Tennessee last year where their record was better than people actually thought they were. Um, I didn't necessarily think it was like a layup that they were going to lose, even though the betting markets did trend that way. Um, I think we saw that play out um, in the game that it was really a one or two possession game there. Like most NFL games come down to. So um, no, I not, I I don't have a lot to say there um, from that perspective. Okay. So here's the piece I I mentioned at the top here. I wrote a piece about all these teams that are heading into the off season now after losing this weekend. Um, you know, and I didn't take the fraud narrative in my in my offering here. I didn't go that route because I, why can't we just say they're incomplete? <laughs> you know, and and by the way, I don't think Kirk Cousins is the problem. I haven't for a bunch of years now. And if you think he is, that's fine. You you can poke holes in a lot of his stats or his clutch points and all that stuff. Uh, do you have a better option? You don't. You, you just don't have a better option right now. He's fully guaranteed next year. Uh, for my buck, he's getting an extension, not a trade or a release. He's getting extended so that, yeah, I think you're going to push out another year or two to to be flexible with the cap because, oh, by the way, this is a team that's over quite a bit right now. You know, they're about six, seven million, eight million over right now, and they haven't even signed their reserve future contracts yet. So, you know, there's going to be some pain here. And it's, but let me ask you this question because I'm speaking for myself solely here. Are you one of those people that thinks they should start to blow things up? after this season, which you believe was kind of a false positive? Um, well, I, I guess, I, I guess the best way to put it, like my, my feelings, their ceiling is just limited as is with Kirk Cousins. I think their ceiling is limited. Um, they're a team that like, I, I bet on them as a division winner coming into the year. I thought, um, mm-hmm. Green Bay was very vulnerable. Um, and if I, if they didn't win the division, who did I, I, who's next in line? I thought the Vikings were the next best team. Um, that being said though, it's, it's as is, it's sort of the roster. It's the kind of roster that can play well during the regular season, but in a critical moment, I, I just don't trust Kirk cousins, um, to like lead me to a playoff victory or multiple at that. So I get exactly what you're saying. They're probably going to have to run it back at least one more year, if not multiple years. But um, it's kind of pur- doesn't it feel sort of like purgatory? I mean, you have no, good no offensive weapons. Yeah, you no have question. good offensive weapons. Alexander Madison is probably gone this year. Dalvin Cook's, you know, prime is expiring. You do have the yeah. be- probably the best wide receiver in the league. But beyond that, I mean, in aging Adam Thielen. You have TJ Hawkinson, who's, you know, that's not going to be long based on, unless they extend him. Dan, but, let's extrapolate you know I mean? all this because this is sort of where I went with my piece because you're right about the the complacency. They're kind of stuck in limbo right now. And going down is just going to look like the same thing, but with less wins, less regular season wins. But but maybe I can be talked into that as a good thing. Cousins is 35 going on 36. And you're right. Justin Jefferson is the best weapon in football and he's going to need 28 million a year right now for five years. You know, he's, they're going to have to guarantee him for the next three seasons. If cousins isn't in the plans for the next three seasons, then what are we doing here? 
because Hawkinson's going to need a deal. You're probably getting out of Thielen right now. He probably gets released in the next couple of weeks. He's a cap casualty, um, as well as Hamler, or, or excuse me, uh, Hamlin. So there's there's probably two, three wide receivers down. Are you paying Jefferson? Are you paying Hawkinson? Are you uh, Madison's going to walk, in my opinion? Dalvin Cook might have one more year left on this big old contract because of cap situation and because of you're right, he's on the twilight side. So are you going to rebuild this thing around Jefferson and Cousins offensively for the next three years? Or are you going to do something more drastic than that, which is, I guess, draft a quarterback at 24 or whatever they sit right now, or draft a second-round quarterback and hopefully – actually, they don't even have a second-round pick. Draft a third-round quarterback and start that process and hope you can hit lightning in a bottle. That's what happens with these teams that get stuck in the middle. you know. And by the way, this is where the Cousins-Washington team was for three, four seasons as well. And they're still not out of that rut. They're still that exact same team because they built a big roster around a quarterback that they didn't think could get to the finish line. So uh, how do we, what do we do here? Do we pull the hat out from under? Do we, do we push forward with Cousins and give him two, three more years to align him with Jefferson? Because clearly there is a, there's a connection there. But, you know, I, the, here's how I wrote my piece, just to give you some context. Just... Just take on your lumps, you know, move on from Thielen, move on from Eric Hendricks, start to plug a few holes in the middle of the defense that, that, that exists. You didn't get a great pass rush. You've got two expirings on the, on the defensive line right now. I, I just think looking at that division, you can probably go and win it again next year. And then what, you know, just take a chance on whatever happens, happens. So maybe my cousin's extension is the wrong approach. Maybe you just restructure that deal add some void years, put it all in on one season, sort of like I think Tennessee is going to do with Ryan Tannehill, by the way, <laughs> restructure the base salary, do not extend him out and just say, we're going all in. And this, this might be it for Vrabel too. And, and I guess the same could be said in Minnesota. Maybe both those franchises now have to put everything on the line because they're just too sunk in with their current regime, both defensively and offensively. And then I guess in 2024, are we talking about a Justin Jefferson trade? Is that, is that humanly possible? I mean... <laughs> because he'd, he'd be the last man standing based on everything we right, just laid no. out, right? I mean, you're, you're I mean, kind of aligned with me there. Yeah, he's sort of the re he's sort of like the the piece that makes you want to keep pushing forward, right? right? I mean, you have that piece, but as soon as that piece needs a deal, the context of your roster construction changes, right? So, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you where that's why yeah. I, sort of, I, I sort of cringe at, the, at the, the Cousins extension because you really can't do anything this year. You're still set up to win next year, maybe win the division again next year, if not be in the playoffs. I, all I'm saying is that I think even next year, if you run it back with a similar roster and Kirk Cousins, you're probably going to run into the same thing next mm -hmm. year but you also don't have a lot of options so that being said i think things lead i think the path is for them to kind of run it back with a similar roster same quarterback mm -hmm. try and add a piece here or there whether it's in the draft or a trade or you know cheap free agency but beyond that i think 2024 is where is where you look to for them to sort of retool whether that's you know, whether uh, mid, another middling quarterback kind of becomes available in the open market and you add him to Justin Jefferson. Otherwise, like if you're starting over and you don't have a prime quarterback at the top of the draft or, you know, acquire one mm -hmm. via trade or in free agency, like I, I don't know what you're really doing with, you know, that's that's like prime, prime. Um, so let me throw this at you then, Dan. With Justin Jefferson. <clears throat> Isn't the answer not to pay Jefferson then? Yeah, I mean, right now, no, uh, no, but, but, and like, yeah, you're deaf, like, that, that's what I mean. What's going to happen and what, you know, fans, can you imagine a fan if, you know, if team, if the team right now came out and said, we don't think we're going to give him a contract, but yeah, no, I agree with you that. That is the, really that is the best business decision. It's he's entering year four. He's got the fifth year option left. You could essentially get him into 2024 with that fully guaranteed fifth year option and say, okay, this is it. You know, and you could even keep them for that year, tag them, then trade them. Right. I mean, you could go that route. And, and, and by the way, I hate to do this. He, he can't hold out. 
this new CBA just makes it absolutely impossible for him to hold out. He's going to forfeit everything, including a year of service time. So, so he, he's, he's stuck here. And that's terrible because he is worth every cent that he, that he should be getting here. And nobody deserves an early extension more than Justin Jefferson, but he is not in the right regime right now to lock in, you know, four for 110 and then be traded in a year and a half. That's Beckham Jr. shit. You know, yeah. that's, and, and that's the Giants and Dave Gettleman screwing everything up twice. And let's just say, like, he deserves it, like you're saying. And if they do sign it, it's just them working. We're trying to say that that's sort of them working this backwards. Like, getting the alpha receiver and then trying to rebuild your roster around him is not yeah. the way to, to do it financially. But, I mean, yeah, he deserves the contract. So, But he would be worth a boat, you know, like, it would never happen because the Bears, you know, in division or whatever. But could you imagine, you know, there's mm -hmm. so many rumors the Bears are going to go out and try and get a number one receiver to add to Justin Fields. Like we saw, you know, with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs in the past and A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, etc. It sounds like the Bears are going to really effort to do that and make Chase Claypool their number two. Um, like, it, could you imagine if like the Bears swooped in with a monster package um, for a player like that. And then, um, well, can I throw this know, back Vikings at you? Are, yeah. I, he, he can't, he can't hold out. I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to lose that year, but he can make a hell of a stink, you know, and social media is a pretty powerful thing when it comes to this stuff. We've seen it now quite a bit and in all the sports can, can he force himself off this roster this off season? if everything we're saying is what's going to be said out loud in that organization, because I don't know how you get around it. you know, there's just too much involved right now. And, you know, if, if there's not belief inside that locker room that they can do more than a first round playoff, which is what they've been now for a bunch of years and the writings on the wall, they're not going to extend Kirk cousins, by the way, that's the telltale, you know, if they let Kirk cousins play off this contract year in 2023, that's the sign that, we have no idea where this is going after this and and it could be a total fire sale. So I, uh, Jefferson might be reading the, you know, reading the walls just like we are here. And, and at some point it's going to say either pay me exactly what I'm, I'm worth. And then we'll deal with it in 2024, 25 or get me out of here right now before the fire starts to blaze. Right. Yeah. It's it, honestly, Mike, it's really, now that we're talking through it, it's sort of, you know, it's, an a, it's not even a hot take. It could be a reality, right? Yeah, right. No, no. I think it's something that it's like an ember in the fire that hasn't started yet. And it really might catch wind here in the next six months when you're sort of looking ahead. And I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Vikings fan. I have no affiliation or attachment locally. I assume the, I, I assume they are very unhappy with how things unfolded, like the narrative around that team all year. They were at one point, what were they? Ten and two, ten and three. And everybody was like, this is the biggest ten and three joke of a team. Um, in the league, despite wins, you know, impact wins against the Bills and some other teams. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know what to say, but I assume that they're going to want change. And you sort of said it. What's what's the change going to be? You're pretty much stuck at quarterback. Yeah. You have an aging defense, you know, like well, you're going to release Adam Thielen. How, how are you going to really address any major holes in this team um, without, you know? Yeah making making a drastic move and that might be the drastic move where they if it's not this year they at least should potentially look at it coming up here in the future where they can get you know he's a known commodity i feel like a team would way overpay in draft picks i mean even considering what we've seen in draft capital moved in recent years i feel like if a team knows the 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 commodity they're getting in justin jefferson and know that they just have to pay that player what what would he be worth on the you know in a in a trade um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're putting Tyree kill and Devonte Adams together here is what you're yeah. doing. I mean, you're, you're going to get an absolute at, at age trade. 20. Okay. So, and that's the last point of the Vikings I want to make. When you think about the Vikings, there's a lot to like when you start to look around the roster, even when you watch them on the field in, in most games, there's a lot to like, but almost all those things that I like are aging veterans, <laughs> right? Daniil Hunter, Patrick Peterson, Kirk Cousins. It's just the list goes on and on. You know, a, a lot of that defense is 30 plus and damn good still, but 30 plus. It's it's a weird situation where you have one or two superstars on the team 
that are complementing this very, you know, experienced older roster. And that there's not longevity in that. There's not a three to four year plan in that. And if you're looking at, at it that way, at some point in time, they're going to have to reset this whole market and just get younger and cheaper and more effective. So, I, you know, you're not doing that with a Kirk Cousins trade. I, and at some point, I think the Jefferson trade is how you do this. It's, it's, is it now? Is it three years? You know, have, have you already paid him a signing bonus and an option bonus and then you do it? Or is it before you even sign that contract? And hopefully things don't get public and nasty like we've seen with a couple of other instances. But you just sit him down and say, look, we're, uh, we're in a rock and a hard place here. And this was kind of our year. We knew it was going to be our year and it fell short. And we got to start considering all of our options. And just so you know, this is one of them. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a real chance that that's going to happen inside that front office this offseason, even if nothing comes of it yet. Well, and let's just like hypothetically remove him from this offense this year. Let's yeah. say he gets traded. So let's call it three first round picks, two second round picks, whatever crazy package you want to put together. And he, he moves on They're They're able to mentally cope with moving on from him. And it's a Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen's gone. You know, if he's gone, mm-hmm. what does this offense look like? There, you're basically t- don't. Could you Tennessee? not make a case for your like tank? <laughs> you're almost tanking, right? Yeah, you look like Tennessee so, is what you look like, right? So that's where you would be bottoming out. Is you have one more year of T.J. Hawkinson at ten million dollars, and then mm-hmm. you know it's a bunch of nothing. So you're you're going to rely on like a thirty year old Dalvin Cook. So yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of like that as like a sleeper move to happen if you're if you're creating a list of things that are yeah, not projections. There you right go. Now. There yeah, you go. Yeah, I, I really think as we kind of talk through this edit, it, it's at least more viable than people would give it credit for, even though the fan base is probably. Yeah, they've, not already, turned, they've already turned this off. Don't worry. They're not listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Chargers, not not super dissimilar. But I think with this one, we have to start at the top. Are you a believer that Staley just coached his last game? Um, so I sort of immediately following the game felt the emotions of everybody else who had uh, like um, any in- rooting interest in the Chargers mm-hmm. for that. But the, the more I thought about it, the more I sort of read on people closer to the situation. I, I feel like he'll be he'll be back next mm-hmm. year. Um, I, I don't know what your read on. Uh, my read is that they're super cheap and yeah. there's no way they're going to pay a coach to go away and then also give up draft capital to trade yeah. for another coach. No, that's not that team. Even though I would love to see Sean Payton with Justin Herbert. I would absolutely love it. I also don't know if like, is, is Sean Payton some sneaky quarterback whisperer that I didn't know about? Like, I, I don't really well, understand all the credit he's been given for Drew Brees. It was, it's a nice system. He certainly put together a you know an evolving system with a cap management process that is <laughs> interesting. Um, I just don't know. I mean, did he single handedly make Drew Brees Drew Brees? Is that what we're what we're accounting him for? And- no, I I feel like he's a creative play calling head coach okay. um, that is able to. Like he, de- I definitely don't think you can just stick him anywhere and give him any quarterback and he's automatically better. I mean, we sort of saw that at the end of his career there, like when Drew Brees was injured, you know, that last year or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then beyond Drew Brees, but I, I, I know what you're trying to say with the, the Chargers. It's you, I think this, it's the sexy take yeah. right now because of Justin Herbert, right? Like the quarterback plus the coach. I think you need both parts of that for that, you know, any Sean Payton um, scenario to really hit its ceiling. <clears throat> All right. I, I, look, I'd love, I'd love to see it happen because the Justin Herbert side of this is outstanding. It's fantastic. He improved. He's done everything everybody's asked him to do and be over the past two seasons. And I think he's the first player this off season to get that extension. I think it's that big of a slam dunk, even though I think the organization is cheap um, and there may be some back and forths. You, you want to be first. If you're the chargers, you don't want to see what burrow ends up with. You don't want to see what hurts ends up with. You don't want to see what any of these other guys, Lamar, and we'll get to that ends up with, you got to get out there and give this guy 175 million fully guaranteed 250, whatever it's going to be, you know, six for two sixty, two seventy five. You got to get out there now. 
In fact, you should be in the room right now with them doing it. <laughs> I, I was going to say, even I, like you, you almost don't want to see like, unless internally they have any hesitations really like on the long-term, you know, cause he wasn't like this high, the no. player he is right now is not who he was in the draft in the draft process, right? So, like, unless they think he's going to come back down to earth a little bit, like that last year or this year is closer to to who he is than last year, then yeah, they like the way you phrase that. I don't even think they want to see him next year be, they, because he could clearly oh, right. he could the better he could well, stuff. Yeah, right. If like Sean Payton or another creative coach did come in. Um, the door and he blows the doors off of it has an MVP season. Then what's the price tag look like? So if they just want to like buy low, if you will, on him after like a sort of down gear, but they still have all the confidence in him long-term, then yeah, they should definitely be trying to lock him up. I agree with you that he's a prime extension candidate. And by the way, I've got to be a little bit better to this organization. They did give Joey Bosa the top of the market contract. They did overpay for JC Jackson, which my God is that bad right now. But they've gone when they've had to, they've put the gas pedal all the way down. So they're going to do it with Herbert. My point is they're going to do it now. They're not going to wait. Um, and it's going to be yeah. everything we think it should be and probably a little bit more because it's the quarterback position. And um, I don't know if you the, there's a Jim Trotter um, Twitter fed that was pretty good, but he used to be really close, uh, a reporter for the Chargers. But um, he pointed out two things I really thought was interesting to piggyback right off your point right there. Um, they were in the running for, I think, Bill Parcells and another major coach, um, which would have been a huge coaching contract so that the money, um, it, it was more to the point that the money is not an issue in certain circumstances. So that, like that the cheap phrasing is sort of unfair to them. So I do agree with you if they did have, um, if they did have a legit shot at Sean Payton or um, at mm -hmm. Sean Payton, and I don't think money would be the issue to your, to to piggyback on that, I think the draft capital would be oh, the yeah. point, like you mentioned earlier. Um, he uh, in his tweet thread, I think he mentions the Chargers have um, used they have not parted with any of their last. Uh, they haven't parted with a first round pick in like twenty four years or what? something like that. So uh, that that's like another point to this that they're not just going to cough up a first round pick and and plus and pay the guy. It seems very unlikely mm. that. Um, that's going to happen. So, okay. Well, regardless, Herbert's getting his bag. Is there anything else to talk about with this team right now? Um, I mean, I've got a couple of cap casualties, which are, you know, really worth mentioning, but um, you know, they did a lot of work this off season on a lot of offensive line, really the past two off seasons, bringing in Mac on the, on that bears trade, I thought was a good move. Um, and he's probably getting a little bit of restructure here to keep that, keep that him and Bosa as the bookends. Uh, where else do you see this team faltering? Is it the coach? And I don't know. He, it, the Mike Williams of, stuff is super unforgivable, right? Yeah. So he came into the league as like this, like what was thought of as this edgy progressive coach willing right. to risk it on fourth down. People loved it at first. And then some of the decisions were like really a little bit over the top where people were like, is this smart or just borderline reckless? Um, and then like, the last, you know, the last two seasons since he's broke into the league or like mm -hmm. the last year and a half, I should say, have not went well for him. And I think the culmination was the Mike Williams thing here and his follow up to it, his like excuses for it didn't really make sense or align with, you know. Yeah. Traditional thinking, if you will. So, yeah, I mean, it does. It's not a good look, but. I also don't want to believe it's as bad as, you know, some of it's being blown out of proportion a little bit, but the, the Mike Williams thing certainly was not, was not great. So, but I don't know where, where do you go? I mean, like everyone wants to just point to the coach, move on from the coach. Like who, who are you realistically signing? Um, yeah. You know, what coaches are out there be beside champagne? I get that's the elephant in the room, but you know, like this, like talk that, Robert, you know, Salah should be, you know, should be fired. Or Mike McDaniel. Like, uh, Mike McDaniel, yeah, right. I mean, like, people, <laughs> is that legitimate? You really think that you're just going to, like, go out on the open market and find a new, um, you know, a, a new a new coach to come to Miami, who you know, with an uncertain quarterback situation? I don't know. But, so, yeah, I think a, this is a long way of saying I think Brandon Staley is back again next year. Okay, yeah. okay. Let's continue to move on. Here we go. 
I'm going to skip the Seahawks. Are you okay with that? Because I think we all kind of know where this is going, right? They're going to tag Geno Smith. They're going to draft a couple of pass rushers, and they're just going to see what this thing looks like next year. Is that fair? Yeah, probably. I think we covered it last time. Um, yeah. yeah, I it's it's all going to depend on what they do at the quarterback situation. Think, yeah, but it's going to be something around Geno Smith, whether yeah, it's it a three be. for 90 or if it's a one for 32 tag. I, it's it's going to look a lot like this with hopefully some better edge rushers. That's how I, I assess that team right now. Um, I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want to go Miami in that awkwardness or do you want to go right to the to the meat and potatoes, which is Lamar Jackson? Um, well, we can just touch on Miami quick. You got to talk because I, I've made a whole statement in my article, and, I, and I'm willing to go bullet points here. But I, I want to hear what you're saying from the outside because you've seen this team quite a bit. Um, I mean, I think they had an epic collapse on the stretch uh, uh, overall. I like really believe in Mike McDaniels and, and his mm-hmm. offense. I mean, the rest is to be determined, I guess, but, um, well, the rest is Tua, and Adam Schefter has already come out and said the dolphins have announced that he's going to be their 2023 quarterback. <laughs> right. I still take that with a grain of salt. I mean, we don't even know if he's going to be healthy for, for yeah, what course. it's worth. And, and so, if so, so, so you're, so you're in the front office of Miami and you, you know, everything you just said, that's obvious. That's obviously the scenario, you know, we'd love to have him for 17 weeks, except, but what if, how do you build for except, but what if when 85% of this roster is playoff worthy? And it truly is. That's a, that's a 12, 13 win team right there. Pretty consistently. No, no doubt in my mind. And they're paid accordingly, by the way, it's not like they're just limping into this thing. They've been paying for this premium service. And now it's all on to it. Do you, do you just roll the dice that he's going to recover this off season and not take one more hit next year? Or do you bring in a QB one a and pay somebody to be standing right there just in case? I mean, how do you, how do you operate like this? Um, it's a good question. Yes, I tend to lean towards your bringing in the best. <laughs> how do I phrase this? The best worst quarterback, if you will, like the Mitch Trubisky of last year. I don't yeah. really know who that is this year. Do, like, does that turn into Carson Wentz? Like, is Carson Wentz, um, oh you know, God, thrown away Christ. again this year? But, but all I'm trying to say is like, uh, maybe the. I guess it's Baker. Know, okay, maybe I that mean, is. But everybody like, wants is it, Brady. Brady wants to go and play though. Brady's not going to go to this situation if Tua is the starter, right? He's not. Okay, uh, my fa- I think my favorite is for my favorite outcome is for them to just run it back with Teddy Bridgewater. Is that terrible? Like, but, but how many he just as injury prone now? And hasn't uh, he always been? I mean, Skylar Skylar Thompson guess, had to play three games this year because the, their top two quarterbacks couldn't stay healthy. And I know that's yeah, kind that's of the league scary. we're in, but. I don't know that you can run that back then. I think you've got to you've got to hope for better there. I mean, are you like doing Tyra? I, I don't know. I feel like you want a guy that can do like a rhythm offense like that. That's how they want to run it. That's the the weapons they have. Um, you probably, you know, ideally want a guy that if Tua is your starter, plays most of the games, a guy that can fill in that that is a similar style to him. So like I, I don't know. It's a it's a great point. I think the roster is great. Um I mean, we're local to Buffalo. We there was a lot of talk that if Tua played this game, that there would be legitimate concern. I mean, they almost lost the game as is, but 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 regardless, like that, it, Miami is much scarier with a quarterback, um, a competent quarterback at running the offense. So I don't know what they do, but I, what, do you think they just move on from Tua or what? No, no what, chance. What no, no, and he's extension eligible. You're going to start hearing some rumors about that. I, I can't even get there. I mean, how do you even put a contract in front of this guy right now with the uncertainties? Uh, does the NFL even want Tua to play football right now? Seriously. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, are we walking down a path that, you know, we don't want to be walking down right now? If, if you're the lawyers in this league, let's be perfectly frank about what I'm talking about right now, you know? I mean... Uh, four in 12 months or 10 months, whatever it would be. If he gets popped in September, that's just not acceptable from a, a health and safety standpoint. It's yeah. just not. And I, 
And at some point, somebody smarter than me is going to stand up and say this to the Dolphins. And then does that just change everything? You know, does it change literally everything that they're thinking about? I, I, I don't know. This one is so fascinating because of this one single item. And I guess the Lamar conversation next is similar, but in very different context. Um, they're just, you saw it yesterday with Buffalo. Uh, that team is ready to compete and contend in the AFC, if not in the entire league. Um, but I, I guess the way I projected it in my piece, and I think the way we're both going down is they're just going to have to take that chance, bring in a whatever backup, a capable backup. But if Tua plays 15 weeks, they're probably back in the playoffs next year. And if he doesn't, then who knows? Then we, they're just a, a semblance of themselves without a great quarterback. But I, they don't have a first-round pick they because they forfeited that in colluding with Brady last year. <laughs> um, it's just a weird situation. And my concern is that it's going to look a lot like this year. And from Tua's standpoint, that's terrifying. That's, that's I guess, the best way I can frame it. Let's talk Lamar because equally awkward, but, you know, not from a safety standpoint. Although I guess that's part of the conversation with the health. Uh, I'm going to make this real easy. Um, I've been going back and forth on a lot of radio shows and on our podcast and in a lot of pieces, especially the quarterback piece I did. And I'm trying to be judicious with how I've framed this whole thing because none of us really understand, even though Lamar is pretty damn good at, at telling us publicly what the hell's going on more than most athletes. Um, we don't know what's happening with that front office. It sure sounds like John Harbaugh is completely in the weeds and has, and has absolutely no clue what his quarterback health situation is and or future is. Uh, and he's certainly not leading on in that regard. Uh, I'm done with that. I've officially, as of this morning, after two cups of coffee, I've decided I'm done playing those games. And I am officially on the trade Lamar Jackson boat. Are you there yet? Um, from the Ravens perspective, you mean? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a marriage too far gone. <clears throat> the only way I think it's not is if there were major regime changes, whether that I like, I don't think they would make like general manager type, you know, changes, yeah. but whether it's coach offensive coordinator, I think other than that though, you're, you're right. That the, the relationship is probably too far gone. Um, and uh, yeah, I I assume he's out of town. But like, if Greg Roman moves on, um, who knows what Jim Harbaugh's set John Harbaugh's status is? Um, I just don't know. Does that does that fix Lamar though? That I don't think the Lamar problem is football related. Do you? And by the way, I don't think the Ravens have created a problem. I thought the offer they made last year, from what we heard, you know, the one thirty mil guaranteed at signing. I'll, that's standard. It was a standard. It was a good offer. It was the right offer. The, the Deshaun Watson stuff, Lamar's lack of representation around him have hurt him. And I think, I think I'm not saying he made a bad choice and not taking that money because I fully understand what he's doing. He's going on a ledge and saying, um, you know, especially with running quarterbacks with mobile quarterbacks, we're getting the raw deal and we deserve to be at the top of the market. Like every other quarterback, regardless of, you know, skill set, And, He's putting himself out there. I, I, I'm all for that. And I get what the Ravens are doing too. They made their offer. There's, they're not going another hundred million guaranteed, which is what Lamar is asking for right now. Um, but, but my point in, is this, and this is where I got myself this morning. Uh, there's some, there's going to be a team out there that does it. You, you're telling me that there were six teams in on Deshaun Watson, but we're not going to have a single one in on Lamar Jackson for, three firsts, two seconds, two fourths, and 200 million fully guaranteed, it's going to happen. The Raiders are in. The Jets are in. The Falcons are in. The Panthers are in. I just did four without even trying. Hell, the Bears might be in. This might be a Justin Fields and the number one pick for Lamar Jackson, for all we know. I mean, that, that, that's not inconceivable right now. So I think the, the Ravens know exactly what the situation is. And this injury and this, the finish to their season yesterday and uh, whatever John Harbaugh was doing... <laughs> with this game management stuff, everybody's now on the line. You know, I think you're right. Harbaugh and Robin are going to be talked to and could, could not have a future there. And I think that could extend out to 
the way to reset this market or to, re, to reset this franchise is not just bringing a coaching staff, but let's get ourselves six brand new draft picks too and not pay $200 million. I, I think all those things can happen together and I, I'm kind of expecting it. Maybe not Harbaugh because he's got such clout in that organization, but Roman for sure. And I'd put Lamar right there as the number two to, to walk out the door this year. This year, I, I think he gets the tag. He gets a tag that the exclusive tag that doesn't allow other teams to negotiate with him. And the reason I say that is if he were to get the $32 million tag and be given an offer sheet by the Jets and signs that offer sheet, the Ravens only get two first round picks back. That's just how the CBA has it built in. And that's just not enough. So you got to give them the $45 million tag. It's only going to account for like 32, 33 million on your cap for now, because it doesn't adjust up until April when the exclusive tag tender becomes official. So you've got some wiggle room there. You're going to have him traded well before that. So you just exclusive tag him. Maybe you throw one last public offer out there, right? Just to save face a little bit. And then when you say, ah, he turned it down again, you trade him to the Falcons or the Jets, who I think are the top two contenders here. And, uh, you get your your haul back and you go from there. I, I just think that's where we're headed. And, and I've I've pushed back on that concept quite a bit now for really two years, but I can't do that anymore. And it sounds like maybe you're a little less, um, you know, sunk in as I am. But I'm trying. I'm trying to be poised with this approach. I, I don't like just throwing these kind of massive takes out there, even though I'm every other market's going to be doing this after the, the fact that he skipped the game yesterday and didn't even show up with the team. But um, you seem a little bit more reserved. Can you, can you put anything to that? Are they well, just I get, a worse team without him? And that's how you're, how you're reading it. Okay. So the, the, the stuff yesterday, the, the not traveling with the team is a very bad look and changes my, my overall outlook. I think I'm a little less like sunk in to him leaving um, because I, I'm a little bit less, uh, I'm a little bit less nailed down on Harbaugh staying. Like I, he, mm. for, for more than a few years now, we've heard rumblings on the wall. Yes, he have. might be on the hot seat. He got an extension recently, but like literally, like, I think while they announced the extension, it was still like, but we're still very uncertain. Like the future is still very uncertain or something. We Like the wording was very, weird about it so harbaugh has like stood by greg roman i feel like mm -hmm. the two are attached so i feel like if you're making a change there you're making a change at both spots um if lamar is unhappy with like the offense being run what's been put around him how they're utilizing him without paying him um i could i i, I guess i'm just leaving the door open a little bit that maybe he says listen i still want to be here i think this is a great franchise i'm a franchise quarterback the i mean just to put this out there, like the Ravens are obviously smart. They don't want to just let a franchise quarterback walk out the door. Right. So if they can repair the relationship, I feel like they will try. Um, but to another one of your points you made previously, if he had representation, this would have went drastically. I think so too. Opinion. Yeah. So um, that hurt him. So yeah, I think the writing is on the wall for him to leave. I'm just saying, I think there are a few paths to him being able to stay, but like I said, major changes would have to happen. Um, otherwise, I mean, who knows where it goes from here, but yeah, he would be very coveted on the trade market. No, no doubt. But would the, the, would the Ravens take Derek Carr back in a trade? I mean, what's their financial like? Meaning, do meaning, do you think that they would look to reset for the most part, or do you think they're looking to, to rebuild this thing on the fly with that kind of move if they're moving on from Lamar? Where do you see them right now, especially in that division, which I think Cincinnati is obviously the the uh, top of the mountain. Pittsburgh's hanging right there. I, I guess mean, a million dollar contract for the inside linebacker sort of tells us where they are. I guess, right? Right. Right. <laughs> Right. I mean, like, yeah, right. Are they going to really pull all the way back? You know, I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think so. And we, I mean, we've seen this organization operate with less is more for a long time. So like I have, um, yeah. if they deal Lamar got a bunch of picks back, like they typically draft and develop well that I, I don't think the turnaround, like if they were trying to bottom out a little bit, I don't think the, the transition would be super long, but, um, 
typically they're competent enough to to be. I think stable. there's like a forty-two percent chance that Tyler Huntley's the Week One starter next year. Yeah, and would that be like the worst thing? No. I, I mean, he's not great. I don't think he's he's great no. by any chance. But um, like Confidence. especially if you're if you're keeping Greg Greg Roman, I think the odds on that go yep. up exponentially. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's there's a transition mode if if and when you do this and uh, you're not taking on somebody else's massive quarterback contract, you're uh, you're going to draft. You're going to use at least one of those draft picks that you acquire to, to at least take a stab at, at a quarterback this year. Maybe you have to do it again next year, and uh, you're going to slow play this thing a little bit, even though the defense is going to win you some ball games. So I I just think we're there. That's all. And uh, you know I wasn't even prepared to get, to get on here and talk about the coaching staff, even though uh, for in my book the offensive coordinator was already gone. But you're right about Harbaugh. That that's been an annual tradition now for two, three seasons here, and uh, I think he might have put the nail in the coffin yesterday at the end of that game with another massive mistake. So, um, okay. Anything else we got to talk about with these teams? Did I forget um, something massive that I'm, you know? No, I mean the. I think the Bears situation, like you sort of brought it up with the Lamar stuff, but the Bears situation is really going to become a focal point of conversation here. What do they do? Like, um, do they keep moving forward with Justin Fields? Um, do they draft a quarterback? Do they, you know, I, that that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the coming weeks but <clears throat> other than that i don't think uh i don't think i have much so. do you expect Derek carr to be traded dan by february 15th uh, obviously that would be unofficial but you know we will know by then it'll be said out loud i mean what is that the only option like are, they can't release him because oh no they can stuff, right? they absolutely can oh, okay. and that's what i mean they will release him before february 15th if they can't find a trade partner to work with by then but it's really just, is somebody going to take him on for what's basically two years, 40-some million guaranteed? Who who can even handle that in your opinion? Like, I keep hearing the Jets. Is that is that even? Yeah. Is it the Jets? And who who's it's, even it's in feasible. that group? <clears throat> um, basically, all the teams I just mentioned. Um, okay. For Lamar, uh, you know, obviously with the, with the negation of the Raiders with that. But, uh, I mean, even Tampa Bay has to be in this conversation right now. Um, because I, I don't think Brady's coming back to that organization, even though, you know, he's probably going to continue his career somewhere, but look, the Colts already said no out loud, which is hysterical. Um, Atlanta's got to be in the jets are certainly in, you know, there's some West coast teams. I'm probably forgetting your Carolina is certainly in, um, I guess Tennessee. The Patriots are a sneaky quarterback team this offseason. I, I know you've thought about that quite a bit. Um, commanders are certainly in. The Saints are certainly in. So there's there's a bunch of teams in the middle right now that could give that a, a shot. But do they just let this thing do, – do they hope that nobody else gives up whatever it would be, a third? I don't know, a third? And that he gets released and they can start over on this contract? Is that what everybody's hoping for? I think there's at least a small chance he gets traded because we've had all these discussions about quarterbacks that should probably get moved on from, but can't because there's just nobody available. You know, is Derek Carr yeah. better than Kirk Cousins? Well, I think there's a slight more bit of intrigue, if that makes sense. Like there's, I think there is something about a player staying with one team one organization and mm-hmm. then staffer. switching organization yeah, yeah like where we we think that there's maybe a little bit more meat on the bone um mm-hmm. so to speak so i i think that like i think it's feasible that Derek carr switches organizations gets under a new coach a new mm-hmm. quarterback coach whatever you want to say and looks way better than we've ever seen him play um i certainly don't think he's going to be like a top five quarterback ever in his life but um like if he went to new new uh, New England or, or like another similar well, organization, like let's just say this out loud too quickly. It, it's bad that the Jets just fired their offensive coordinator. It's bad that Matt Patricia is the Patriots' offensive coordinator. It's right. bad that Ron Rivera runs the show in Washington. You know what I mean? It's very fair. Like yeah. th- there's a reason that those quarterbacks are failing. Let's be perfectly honest about that. And uh, and I don't and Derek Carr has a no trade clause, so 
the Jets might make an offer. Somebody might make an offer and he might look at that situation and say, no chance in hell. Get me to the open market and I'll pick my spot. Even if it's a backup spot, I got to fight for or Tampa Bay or whatever it's going to be. So I, I think, uh, I think there's going to be a, a real come to Jesus moment here for a lot of these organizations that think they can just rebuild these things on the fly because the hit rate on that is going to get worse and worse. You know, the Tom Brady stuff was such an in our face, Holy cow, everybody should do this. And then we have to sit back and say to ourselves, okay, well, that's Tom Brady. <laughs> okay. And that's Sean McVay. All right. It's just, it's just life. You know, Matt Stafford was traded into the best situation humanly possible. Unless that exists out there, Derek Carr shouldn't be thinking about it. So I, I'm, I'm a no on Derek Carr getting traded, both from a financial standpoint and from a, he looks around the room and says, no, thank you to a lot of these places. Yeah, I forget he has that control. So that's yeah. a, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, no argument. All right, here. we uh, we went long on the NFL stuff. We'll skip the baseball stuff today. We'll be back probably Wednesday. I'll have you back on. We'll talk about some arbitration stuff. Hopefully there'll be some decisions. Uh, we'll talk about what the Padres continue to do, which is load up massive contracts and players, and uh, maybe some international signings. I had about four hundred yesterday, more than I can ever remember. As teams try to build these rosters from every single possible facet. So uh, plenty to get to. And by the way, um, I hope you're starting your notes because it is MLB futures time soon, really soon. Over-unders, our, our divisional bets, our sleeper picks, all that stuff. I'm, uh, I'm already gearing up. It's less than a month until pitchers and catchers report. Don't think I don't know that, Dan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're not betting uh, MLB futures in January. Yeah, yeah what are we even doing here? Yeah, yeah. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks. My thanks to Dan. Please check out spytrack.com. Plenty to read for NFL offseason pieces, positional, divisional, and today with the specific offseason of the Chargers, the Vikings, the Dolphins, the Ravens, and the Seahawks. And I'll add to that, as we know, the loser of Tampa Bay Dallas tonight on Monday Night Football, a game I'm not sure should be played. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trade Podcast.